<clears throat> this is a Romy cast. Never get tired of being Beatles. Uh, when I play the drums, then I play a guitar, and I too play a guitar. What? Is he dead? Sit you down, Father. Rescue. Take 12. Take 12. Can we just have a little less guitar in here for us? Oh, that's all right. Yes, not bad that one. Keep that one. Mark it fab. And hello once again, and welcome to another episode of the award-winning The Walrus Was Paul podcast, a series of podcasts hosted by me, Paul Romanuk. Join me and let's take a stroll along the cast iron shore and peel off the layers of the glass onion with another great musical guest as we discuss their favorite Beatles or Beatles solo album. This podcast was voted winner outstanding music series at the 2022 Canadian Podcast Awards. Uh, I have been doing this podcast now since July of 2020 and have released over 50 episodes and spoken with some of the finest in the Canadian music world about some of the greatest music ever recorded. And normally, the drill is that I speak with a guest about their favorite Beatles or Beatles solo album, and off we go. We go through it track by track as you know if you're a regular listener to this series. But in this series, I have been doing a few one-off special episodes where we choose a theme as opposed to an entire album. As a for example, uh, a few weeks back, singer-songwriter, guitar player Stephen Stanley was on an episode and we spoke about his favorite Beatles guitar moments. So along those lines, in the last episode and again today, I'm joined by Jim Cuddy and Colin Cripps of the great Canadian band Blue Rodeo. Uh, and today we are going to continue our conversation about their selection of 10 of their favorite Beatles vocal performances. Side one, the last time, featured five of the tracks. So if you haven't listened to side one yet or part one, then go back and listen to that and then come back and listen to this. At least that's uh, what I would recommend. So here we are with side two and another five tracks to go. Uh, Jim Cuddy, just to remind you, and I shouldn't have to remind you, what a singing voice. And he is one of Canada's finest singer-songwriters. Along with writing partner Greg Keeler, Jim has given birth to many classic tunes known by music fans in Canada and around the world. Uh, try After the Rain, Till I'm Myself Again, just uh, three I can name right there, the hat trick. Uh, Blue Rodeo has sold over five million albums, and Jim has also released a bunch of solo albums. Find out all you want to know about Jim at jimcuddy.com. His Blue Rodeo bandmate, the outstanding guitar player and singer Colin Cripps, was a key member of the Canadian folk rock band Crash Vegas. Remember those guys? I never really, I never really thought they got their full due. A lot of talent in that band. The band broke up prematurely. 
Uh, and then he went on to play with Big Wreck, and he's produced and played and written with Colin James, Kathleen Edwards, Brian Adams, Sarah McLaughlin, and so on. He's been the lead guitar player right at home in Blue Rodeo for the last 10 years, and he also plays with Jim on his solo albums. You can visit Colin's website and find out about his solo work at colincrips.com. The website for this podcast is romicast.com, and if you head there, you can find many of the episodes that we have done so far, all available in the archive, and you can play them right from the player built on to the webpage, or you can get those older episodes wherever it is that you got this episode. So, last time, Jim, uh, there was a little consternation from your corner because uh, I, I did the tracks for this album chronologically. So, Colin had four of the five tracks on side A, uh, but I'm happy to tell you that this time it is your side. It's side B, though. <laughs> it still is side B. Yeah. Yeah, but, you, but you, you know, when you sequence a <clears throat> record, you want a strong side yeah, B, want, well, right? No, I remember Malcolm it. Byrne once said to me... Uh, I said, how do you sequence? He said, you put all the good songs first and then the rest at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, he was about to help us sequence time in mind. So you look and you're like, those are my songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, I do want to ask you about an amazing show that uh, you can tell me whether or not I, I'm assuming you are a, a catalyst for on May the 23rd 2024 at Massey Hall in Toronto, a big show celebrating Gordon Lightfoot. Tell me about it. Well, we were approached quite a while ago whether we would be one of the house bands. And I think that there, I believe there are just two house bands, right? There's there's Gordon's band and then there's us. Yeah. And they're splitting up the, uh, the, um, the guests um, between the two bands. So Gordon was a very, very important character for us. Um, first of all, I think Greg was completely smitten with the music. When we came back, it was for me, it was a difficult change. Like we were in New York City, like, woo, you know, young people having a great time, come back. Greg is like fully Peter Zowski, Gordon Lightfoot, got a big car, like a big New Yorker, like <laughs> like Gordon. And it's just, just living this very, this very kind of uh, agricultural oriented life. Um, I, so I sort of had to catch up, and I always liked Gordon Lightfoot because Gordon was the first—he was the first songbook I ever had learning learning guitar. And then, and then meeting Gordon, Gordon was inspiring to us because not only for his music, which which is brilliant. I mean, the show that we saw together, when he sang—I believe this is the same one because he opened it as well as closed it. When he sang, "If you could read my mind," he got a standing ovation at the end of the song, just for the song, for the brilliance of the song. I thought that was beautiful. Anyway, and then getting to know Gordon a little bit and how unique he was and how he stayed in Toronto and how he, how he, how he, uh, how he represented where he'd come from and who he was and how little his huge fame affected him. Uh, he was just, he was the guy he was, whether he had been a science teacher in, in uh, <laughs> Richmond really, yeah. Hill or, right. or whether he was yeah. world famous troubadour and uh, it was although expected it was still a great shock when when he died and it just seemed to me and I think to us that having Gordon ahead of us was still like a guiding light 
And that was, yeah. and that was a beautiful thing. So anyway, and I'm also very thrilled to, you know, we were supposed to play with Allison Russell out in, um, out west. And I guess that was at, was that at the Bear Creek one? Uh, or was that Salmon Arm? Salmon, Salmon Arm, Arm, Arm Salmon Festival. Arm Festival. But that's, yeah. we all got smoked out. The fires were smoked out. So she wasn't even, yeah. even able to get there. So yeah. when I heard that she was going to do it, I was, I was very glad about that. I, I really want to meet her and really want to play with her. And, and there's so many artists. And Yeah, know. there's a lot. I mean, there's, yeah, uh, you know, uh, he... He's uh, he's been part of our lives for a very long time. I mean, I I remember singing Gordon Lightfoot songs when I was a kid with my mom, you know. And I didn't I didn't necessarily appreciate the quality of his and the breadth of his work until I got you know until I got older because he's always kind of there. He was always like he was emblematic of the of the Canadian songwriter, you know, the great Canadian songwriter. And every decade or you know, especially when I was growing up, he'd have a you know, he'd have another major hit, but it was it was always something that was like, you know, it was always outside of the sort of even the mainstream. It would just be like, come in, here's another Gordon Lightfoot song. And so I always, you know, I always remember that impact on the Canadian landscape of songwriters and musicians and anybody that knew him or had any association with him, you know, or stories. I mean, he was a colorful guy. He had a sure lot was. of crazy stories you know where somebody would tell you a story about oh yeah I got a good story about Gord and then you'd be like okay you know so it was fascinating too <laughs> you know you'd meet him in, uh, and you know when you met him there, all those things are going through your head he wrote these songs oh my god there's the guy and oh yeah now I remember that story so and so told me about him and, and his quirkiness and his um, so yeah he's he pretty much uh uh, as Jim said, you know, he was a shining light for a lot of Canadian people and musicians especially yeah. uh, appreciate it as they got older into their their careers and recognizing what he accomplished. Is it going to be, because this is a Beatles podcast, do you think it'll be a little bit like the concert for George where you have this this assemblage of Canadian musical talent stars and People will take turns singing Gordon songs. Oh yeah, that's what it'll, yeah. that's that's why the two bands. I think we have to learn. Well, we're going to talk about it soon, but we're going to have to learn whatever choices everybody makes, and then we'll be the backup band for them. We'll do. I think we might just be doing one because there's a whole bunch of people singing. So we're, I don't know. Maybe we'll be doing ten, and and he, and hey, Gordon's band has a bit of an advantage, don't you think? Yeah, they know the songs, but well, they the may only, have to change keys. Though the thing with his band, I mean, I'm sure they could adapt. Was, you know, a lot of people may not know this, but Gord, you know, Gord, uh, he was whisper quiet on stage. His show was a very, very quiet show, and he he didn't they didn't have any monitors. You know, those guys just they just played like I'm right. You know, and so I'm first thing that went through my head is like we're gonna have all these people. They're gonna be the band, and I'm sure they're gonna be able to adapt, but. All of a sudden, it's gonna be like I, I can't hear the guy playing the guitar. I can't hear the drummer because they we'll literally. Be, we'll just be our normal stuff, right? We, I mean, we don't. Have no, to, I'm saying for them, oh, for yeah, the for other them, band, yeah. yeah, like they're yeah. probably gonna have. Uh, yeah, I remember yeah. we were supposed to do uh, the Railroad Trilogy with Gord, be his backup band for. Uh, it was a special event, and Gord called me, and and he he started talking about. Would our drummer be? Well, is your drummer okay to do this? And he started talking about the the, the uh, time references, and the time references were specific. He says, you know, it starts out about ninety six, then goes up to one twenty, 
and comes back to 85. Is he going to be okay with that? I thought, you're not kidding. You, you don't mean around those numbers. Yeah. You mean those numbers. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, I just, I just yeah. vouch for Glenn. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> and then you look at Glenn and go, yeah, well, you better get your, you better get your original vote, man. Yeah. Oh, well, Barry Keane, his drummer and his band, has been a, a guest on the podcast a few yeah. times, and yeah, he tells he tells some amazing stories yeah. about the years playing with him. So look forward to that, dear yeah. listener. If you can manage to get yourself a couple of tickets, uh, God bless you because uh, it's already sold out. Uh, May the twenty third, two thousand and twenty four, at Massey Hall in Toronto. So let's turn to side number two of this great Beatles vocal moments. Now we ended side one. Uh, with Jim's first really pick. strongly happiness is a warm gun like okay but then we start side two mm-hmm. with helter skelter mm-hmm. that's not a track I thought you would have picked oh okay so here's the reason um, I think that sadly Paul McCartney has spent a lot of time in his life trying to correct misapprehensions about the Beatles Trying to curl, you know, trying to correct this idea that he was just a Svengali in the band and he he bossed everybody around, and also spending some time trying to trying to make people understand that he was just as strong, if just as strong a rock singer as John Lennon, and and I don't think that's I, I think people think of him as this. A lot of people say I don't really like Paul; it's too saccharine. So I picked a song where you think, okay, this is some world-class yes. rock and roll screaming. Yeah. World-class. Plus, it's, it's a great song. It's a great song. You know, it's just a crazy, unique, original song, just the way it, it works up. And I see you again. I, yeah. I, I, I always liked it. I, 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 it never put me off. I know I heard lots of people say, oh, it's just a cacophony. I don't think that at all. I think it's really musical. To the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. Well, I stop and I turn and I go for a ride. Till I get to the bottom and I see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you, don't you want me to love you? I'm coming down fast, but I'm miles above you. vocal performance, which is what we're doing here. Yeah. We're trying to describe <laughs> great vocal performances. It was a shot, it is, Colin. That was a it shot. Is a, we, yeah. You can take it like that if you want. I didn't. Even, I, I couldn't even remember the last side. It, it, it was a great, it's a great vocal performance. Now, it's funny for me that, that, that you know, if we ended with Happiness is a Warm Gun, and then we go into Helter Skelter, because those are a little, of the five I picked, those are slightly outside choices. But I do think that they, they represent... They represent the type of vocals that not everybody can do. No. I think you're, I, I, I'm 100% with you on that. I think that vocal's a fantastic vocal. It's a great song. It's all Paul, you know? And it's not, it's also like, as you were saying earlier about how Paul finding his own voice, mm. 
that's him finding his own voice. Like he, he delivers the style of the writing in the song. He delivers the attitude. The, the lyrics are, you know, slightly um, unique. I don't want to say strange, but they're unique. And uh, it's, that's total Paul. Yeah. I mean, I think 68 to the, up to the mid-70s, maybe even late 70s, to your point, Jim, I mean, he yeah. was as great a rock and roll. I mean, Monkberry Moon Delight from Ram, Jet off of Band yeah. on the Run. Yeah. Uh, a couple of yeah. tracks we're going to talk about from, yeah. you know, Circa Abbey Road. Maybe I'm amazed. I mean, man. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, I mean, any singer that tries to sing those, you realize that's a little high. There. I mean, he has a yeah. strangely high tenor. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. uh, now. What uh, it, it started off as sort of a blues vamp, and there's a version of it that goes on for like 27 minutes, wow. uh, yeah. which we've we've never heard. Uh, technical engineer. It's a kind of a fun quote. Uh, Brian Gibson was a technical engineer on the session, and he says, "quote They were completely out of their heads that night, but as usual, a blind eye was turned to what the Beatles did in the studio. Everyone knew what substances they were taking, but they were really a law unto themselves." in the studio. Then Chris Thomas, who was the session producer, George Martin was on holiday that night. He says, while Paul was doing his vocal, George Harrison had set fire to an ashtray and was running around the studio with it above his head. (laughs) So so what a night that must have been in the studio. I think it's funny that they say they were lawing to themselves. They still had to sign in and sign out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were, you know, when you think of all the American rock bands that were just trashing places and doing whatever they wanted. The Beatles oh, yeah. were still under some kind of ancient oh, British yeah. formality. Oh, yeah. Military, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, famously, the uh, the engineers wore white yeah, lab right coats. I know, yeah. I and, and ties. I know. Yeah. 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 Now, For sure. So, now, is there, is there a... I mean, two big raw vocal sounds. Your first two picks, "Happiness Is a Warm Gun" and "Helter Skelter." Is there is there an inner Kurt Cobain that you're no. you're channeling? No, no, no. I just always li- always liked it. It's not something I, I can do. Like I, you know, Greg could always do the screaming. I, I can't can't do it. I would just shred my voice. But I've always liked it, and I've always liked McCartney's version of it. And again, you know, like I'm participating in this correction. <laughs> I, I want, oh, I'm helping. I'm, I'm out there. I'm, I'm a little legionnaire helping. Helping Paul yes. be, uh, be, you know, Given be his acknowledged due. as a great, great rock singer. Yes. Yep. And he's I heard evolved. too many dismissive things. And now. he's, evolved, you know, not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but I love old man Paul voice now. Like on on his on his last album that he did the McCartney three album, right? Uh, like it and, and yeah. uh, e- Egypt Station before that. Like yeah, there's yeah. there's something. To yeah. that voice, too. I, I agree. I think it, it all yeah. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, so we go to the next track. It's a Colin track, oh. but 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 uh, I know you're going to be in co- I know. There this was is some, a good one. I love, I love all your tracks. Some oh, friction in the early... Th- this has got to be complete agreement. In this segment, you love all my tracks. I loved all your tracks. Yeah. <laughs> it is... Uh, and then Jim takes us home with the last, last couple of tracks. Yeah. But this is, uh, this is the seventh track, and it's from Abbey Road, and it's Oh Darling. Oh Darling.
the same spirit as Helter Skelter. I think it's uh, it shows Paul as at the peak of his um, of his. I shouldn't say that at the peak of his vocals because he he did great vocals after that as well. I find that he um, he always seemed to be able to command the the spirit of a voice that he was going for. Some singers, you know, they're great crooners or they're great mm. rock and roll singers or they're great ballad singers. You know, they have certain characters and they can cultivate those personalities. And Paul just seemed to, to be able to sort of go, okay, I'm going for this voice. And then he would, and even if he didn't, in this case, uh, I mean, there are some things about this song that are interesting, but um, he seemed to always get there. Like he always seemed to, to, to do it, you know? It'd be like being a, you know, a guitar player and somebody says, well, you know, you're kind of a, you're a country guitar player and everybody knows you as a country player. And you say one day, well, you know what? I'm gonna start playing like this. I wanna become more a jazz player. And then, and then they, they, they just seem to draw from all these different things. Paul's voice to me is, it was called the, the uh, ultimate version of that. He could just call from all these different uh, disciplines as a singer. And this song to me is like a classic case of that. Um, I remember when I heard it as a kid, I just was like, you know, the tone of his voice when he goes, when he goes to the, you know, You know, it, most singers who go up that high, if they can do it, it doesn't sound very good. You know, it doesn't sound pleasing. But when he does it, it sounded amazing to me. It sounded very pleasing and musical. And uh, and then when I read about what he did, so in that song, he, uh, he certainly didn't get it right away. No. It took some time. And... Um, so the interesting thing about it, I'll say just to say, the backing track took 26 takes. And then, so then he was happy with the backing track and he worked on the vocal for a couple months. Oh. He didn't do it, but what, I guess when they were in the studio as a block, he did it once a day. He would do it once and then they'd move on and they'd do it once. And doesn't say, he never says how many takes over the period, but they got the backing track in April and his vocal wasn't finalized till July. Wow. So he he did it probably enough times that I would love to know what he didn't get out of the other versions, you know? Well, the story is from what <laughs> I've, I've been able to uncover. So this is Alan Parsons talking about it. He right. says, Paul came in several days running to do the lead vocal on Oh Darling. He'd come in, sing it, and say, nope, that's not it. I'll try again tomorrow. He would only try it once per day. I yeah. suppose he wanted to capture a certain rawness, which could only be done once before the voice changed. I remember him saying, you know, five years ago, I could have done this in a flash, referring, I suppose, to the days of Long Tall Sally and Kansas City. Right. 
McCartney remembers, I mainly remember wanting to get the vocal right, wanting to get it good, and I ended up trying each morning as I came into the recording session. I tried it with a hand mic, I tried it with a standing mic, I tried it every which way, and finally got the vocal I was reasonably happy with. Uh, And what he did is he lives... It's in St. John's Wood, which is where Abbey Road Studios is. I know, Colin, both you guys have been there. He lives on Cavendish Avenue, which is just up the road. It's a five-minute walk. So he would get to the studio before the rest of the band, and he would come in early every morning and go in and try it. He returned to the song. He came in the first time on July the 17th, and he came in, did an attempt went on with the rest of the session, came in the next day. He did this every day until the 23rd of July. Yeah, so... So he finally got it, however many days that is. It's a lot. <laughs> but he just come in and do it once. It's a lot. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, they worked a lot on the three-part doo-wop vocal harmonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was McCartney, Lennon, Harrison, uh, and they came in and, and worked on that. And uh, incidentally, for trivia fans, August 11th was the day they worked on those doo-wop harmonies. That was the last day on which John Lennon was at a Beatles recording session. So all of them there. August 11th, 1969. Yep. What a song. But what a yeah. song. Um, just incredible. And the, oh, I would just say that as, as part of what the greatness of that is, as, aside from the performance itself, is that the rawness of that performance it gives it emotional uh, content. You know, it sounds desperate. You know, it has that desperate sort of thing in it that I think that song made that song a better song, you know. Cut number eight, you never give me your money. This one was more of a whispering in your ear. I, I've always found the lyrics to this moving. Yes. And and um, it was sort of later, you know, I love the Beatles as an ex, as an exciter thing in my life and a and a and a cultural phenomena. But it was it was sort of from Hey Jude, let it be long winding road that I thought, oh, now this is about emotion. Now this is, and you never give me your money has this beautiful abstraction that you really don't know what the story is, but you're, it makes you sad. And, and, and his voice, he just, he so understood. And you, you see this in, in, um, in the Let It Be movie. You see the way he, you know, singers understand the distance from the mic can make a huge difference. You know, you're six inches away, you're two inches away, you're right on a mic. Those are entirely different um, uh, treatments of your voice. 
And Paul, even when you see him just messing around, you think, you just have this down. You know exactly what you want to get out of your voice. And you knew that when he, when he sang this one. He was really close to the mic and, and understood how his voice was going to envelop you. And at this time in his life, you know, you sort of said he was at the peak of his powers. Well, he, had, he was at the peak of his powers for a long time, right? I know you kind of took it back yeah. like, well, yeah, yeah. He, had, yeah. he did a lot of good stuff later. Yeah. He was, he had, he had a, uh, his the zenith of his ability to sing was, was over a decade. You know, it's kind of like yeah. late 60s to, yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and on and on. I mean, I think he's a great singer. But I, but I think that in terms of just the, the, the complete uh, mastery of his voice, uh, this song is a good example of that. What chord is that? Said off the, 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 uh, the piano, off the start. It just said that, that, that whatever it is, uh, I'm assuming it's a, it's a minor chord. Uh, yeah, I think it's, in, it's an A minor of some sort. It's, yeah, but, but it's it, probably an A minor ninth. It's yeah, it's got it has, a, it's it got has a, a little. It has it's a little, got an extra. A little. Uh, it just makes you sad. Yeah, like yeah. You're, you're so it's you, the saddest go. <laughs> you nailed it. Uh, and many years later, McCartney in his book, The Lyrics, he said, uh, you know, it's a, it was about the Beatles' business troubles. He says, the problem was that by that stage, everything was up for negotiation and miscommunication was the order of the day. We weren't really writing together anymore. Each person was bringing little bits of this and little bits of that. And we all knew that that phase of our lives, being the Beatles, was coming to an end. Wow. You just made me sad. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's, it is. It's it, fifty years ago, and you just made me. Yeah, sad. yeah, <laughs> and and he sounds sad talking about it all yeah. all these years. Uh, it's it's kind of, in a way, sort of. It's it's just the same way. Happiness is a warm gun was made up of all little mm-hmm. sort of segments. Len, this yeah. is the same for McCartney. You have, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, yeah, you have the you never give me your money section. Mm-hmm. You know, business problems, funny paper, yeah. and so on. Part yeah. two, out of college, looking mm-hmm. back, see no future, pay no rent, magic. Fee- and then part three, one sweet dream, mm. kind of about he and Linda going off, yeah. you know, into That's their life. That's where we realized what a lorry was. I didn't know what a lorry was back then. A lorry? Yeah. Yeah. Any driver yeah. got that Monday morning, turning back, yellow lorry. Lorry slow. Oh, nowhere to oh, go. Go. I was like, what's a lorry? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there were a few Britishisms that yeah, you didn't yeah. know, yeah, uh, that you, sort of, you know, which yeah. sort of taught me British English, uh, which came in handy many years later when we moved there. Uh, wow. so, so again, lovely three-part harmony sections. So I, I got to come back and ask one of the, you know, I mean, a couple of great harmony singers I'm with, but that three-part complements mm-hmm. the lead vocal so beautifully. So is that a concern again when you're creating a song with harmony that the harmony doesn't over Power the lead vocal. <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> I I've never thought of I've never thought of it in that way. Like I never thought that it, it was always meant to be supportive and complimentary. It would never be like so. Yeah, I don't I don't. Yeah, I'd have to think about what that would be. Like it doesn't seem like. I mean, you have to realize that certain harmonies that you do construct in that you know in the context of a recording, you know, you can you could have a loud a loud performance but you push it back in a mix or put a certain amount of it in context of a of the lead vocal and it sounds differently you know than whenever you're so there's definitely that part of it but um but no i i don't yeah i don't i don't know i think that again uh, the uh, um you know the palette that uh, that the beatles painted from had so many variations so 
and it, and that's it's a great record for that because they can sound like one voice yeah. when they sing together, and you know, and because or something like that, they can sound like one voice, yeah. or they can sound like a lead vocal with just some backup, or they can sound like a duet. Um, they 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 never stopped figuring out different variations yeah, that they could do with their voice, and they had three fantastic voices, and. Yeah. Um, you, there's a certain amount you can do on the board. You can make things, uh, you can adjust the volume of things and you can adjust yeah. the tonality of things to a certain degree. But a lot of the blending has to be done by the singers themselves. Right. They have to, They like Paul McCartney could sing at any pitch in full throat, in, in crooner throat, in, in, in raspy throat, he could he could expand and contract his voice to suit whatever he needed to do. Uh, John had just sort of a natural ability. You don't hear him on the records changing his voice that much. But Paul is a little bit more chameleon-like, and he he can change the timbre of his voice to to blend or to or to stand out. Sometimes you want to hear that background vocal almost as distinctly as the lead vocal, and then sometimes you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it at all. So it's just more brilliance, really. Second last cut uh, and beautiful, no arguing this. I mean, beautiful vocal. Colin, you haven't disagreed with any of Jim's choices uh, yet. <laughs> Not yet. The, the Long and Winding Road. Oh, that's. I, I, I couldn't contest it in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. It is one of the greatest songs. Uh, you know, uh, you could play it at my funeral if you like. It is absolutely one of those songs that every time I hear it, it. It makes me emotional. And when I heard him singing it for the first time live in 2010, I was just like, my whole body just went into that place where the significance of music and how it affects you was, was right there. The long and winding road Disappear. I've seen that road before. It always leads me here. Lead me to your door. Yeah, that vocal. Uh, the, there's a plaintive quality to it, the way it's sort of delivered, as Jim says, like he could he could command any sort of emotional, you know, intimacy or uh, that song seems to be the, the, the perfect one for me to do that. I love the lyric. I think the way a great lyric is conveyed through a great vocal performance takes it to that other place, that, that dimensional place we talk about as musicians where it's like the third eye, if you will, or it's the, you know, the cinematic quality of a song where you see the cinema in the music and not just the delivery of the performance itself. You know, there's a lot of cinema in that song for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that, uh, you know, what we were just talking about, um, the McCartney's use of microphones and altering his voice and his, his super ability to to uh, adapt to whatever you need to do. This one 
He could have sung on any microphone at any place. This is just him singing. And, and it's so amazing. It's so perfect. There's no, there's no tricky technique in it. There's just him yeah. singing this glorious song. I mean, he could have sang, sang on, you know, he could have sung on, on a 57. He oh, could, yeah. He could have, yeah. Any, any fancy mic, just yeah. anything. And, and it, it's, it's amazing. For me, it's, uh, it, it hit me at a time in my life when I'm a very young teenager and just starting to fall in love with girls. And so the pain that you are, you're entering the house of pain when you're, <laughs> lear you're learning to fall in love because there's a whole lot of rejection ahead. And, and so it, 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 uh, it, it marries to that time in my life. And uh, mm -hmm. it, uh, just like Colin, it has, that, uh, it, it has that strong emotional effect on me every time I hear it. And every it's right time. from the beginning. I don't even have to get into the song. Every it's time. It's like, oh, the long end. Oh, God. Yeah. Kills I me. Just, uh, yeah. But it's a beautiful, you know, I, I, I like the fact that we've sort of talked about all different ways that the Beatles sang. But I think that he, he could be seen then on the piano over there and it would sound the same. It's just, that's just him singing. And, yeah. and dear listener, you have to know uh, when Jim talked about, you know, those early years of being a teenage boy and starting to fall in love and discovering girls and getting your heart broken, three guys all looked at one another and nodded their heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome uh, to the House of Pain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, McCartney, he originally wrote the song at his farm in Scotland, uh, and he was inspired by the growing tension amongst the Beatles who were going through a rough time. McCartney later said, I just sat down at my piano in Scotland, started playing, and came up with that song, imagining it was going to be done by someone like Ray Charles. Uh, I've always found inspiration in the calm beauty of Scotland, and again, it proved the place where I found inspiration. What about as a couple of, uh, of Beatleholics, uh, and I, I don't think he's ever walked this back, uh, McCartney did not like the oh, song yeah. Oh, yeah. and the way it was ultimately done, and it's the version we listen to today, yeah. Uh, yeah. the strings and the, some would say, over-the-top orchestration, uh, which was done by Richard Hewson. Phil yeah. Spector produced it. There was yeah. a female choir. Uh, McCartney's quote is... Or this is actually George Martin. He says, when I heard it, it made me angry and it made Paul even angrier because neither he nor I knew about it till it had been done. It happened behind our backs because it was done when Alan Klein yeah. was running John. He'd organized Phil Spector and I think George and Ringo had gone along with it. They'd actually made an arrangement with the MI and said, this is going to be on the record. Um, Can you and, imagine? and then this is the great George Martin quote when they came to him after Let It Be came out. And they said, well, uh, Joel, Joel, boy, uh, you made this record originally, but we can't have your name on it. And I asked them, why not? And they said, well, you didn't produce the final thing. I said, well, I produced the original. And what you should do is have the credit saying, produced by George Martin, overproduced by Phil Spector. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't think that was a good idea. That's great. That's great. So, I mean, so many levels to this. I mean, yes. as an artist, which both of you guys are, having somebody go behind your back and change your work, you're both shaking your heads. But what do you think it's like for him to... I mean, he's lived with it. He, he you know, he couldn't re-release 
a brand. You can't go back in time. I mean, he's. I thought they re-released yeah, it they as a, on the naked. They naked The original stripped down yeah, version. Yeah, the stripped down but, version. I mean, the version of record. <laughs> yes, of course. The is, version of note. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is, the, is that? Yeah. I, and, now, now, do you think it's overproduced? Of course. Yeah. But I, 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 I've never, <laughs> since I didn't know the the story then. That's what I what I'm used to, and so I I just think of Paul leading this this gigantic choir. But when I heard Naked, I liked it better. The long and winding road that leads to your door will never disappear. I've seen that road before that to an artist uh, uh, of Paul's stature at that time but by his friends I mean Alan Klein was a was a complete creep and horrible man and he did horrible things and but doing that is is unimaginable I mean they must have been sort of either they were mad at Paul and wanted to mess him up or or they just didn't even think about it they, they were just so off in their own world yeah I, I, I it's still it's still <laughs> mind-boggling to think that that Manipulation was possible, right? Given the, you know, given who they were and what. Uh... Here's a letter that he sent to uh, that he sent to Alan Klein after he heard it. Said, "Dear sir, in future, no one will be allowed to add or subtract from a recording of one of my songs without my permission. I'd considered orchestrating the long and winding road, but I had decided against it." Uh, I therefore want it altered to these specifications. Strings, horns, voices, and all added noises to be reduced in volume. Vocal and beetle instrumentation to be brought up in volume. Harp to be removed completely at the end of the song. And original piano notes to be substituted. Four, don't ever do it again. Signed, Paul McCartney. And despite that, they put it out anyway. Well, they must have had a very strange legal arrangement. I mean, they had a very strange legal arrangement to even get in bed with Alan Klein. So, so in spite of all of that, uh, yeah, a beautiful song. The song, st- the, the the as we're talking about great vocal performances, the vocal performance in that song seems, from all accounts, to completely, you know, um, work despite that. Yeah, it still has the effect that I hope he wanted for it. Oh, it's when it's he wrote incredible. It. Yeah, incredible. Right. No. <clears throat> and maybe some would say, as we get to the last track, um, a similar vocal performance or not, I'll leave it to the experts, but your last pick and the last pick on the album, Let It Be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you, we can leave Let It Be out. I mean, Let It Be was so significant. <clears throat> you know, I mean, perhaps Hey Jude is just as significant because it changes the Beatles' oeuvre to a certain degree. But it was also more novelty. Let it be is 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 just a, an absolutely masterful song. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom. 
let it be 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 to me there's more vocal technique in it paul's paul's doing things that he he imagines R&B singers doing, which is unlike, to me, unlike Long and Winding Road, where he's just singing to the, to the barren, cruel hills of Scotland. <laughs> and, uh, um, but this one, he's, 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 uh, he's using techniques, using his voice for, for, for different, uh, um, in, in a different way than, than he has before. But still, you know, Paul just figured out how, he didn't, I'm sure he would never understand. It's like trying to ask Paul Coffey how he skates, you know. I don't know. I just do it. Um, he'd figured out how to get everything out of his voice. He'd figured out uh, in all the recordings he'd done and all the songs he'd written that his voice could do many, many things. You know, that's for me. Like when I listen to the, to the when I hear the the the, uh, the Phil and Don reference, and they, you know, they were great, but they were one note. Absolutely. That's what they did, and they did it from the beginning of their career to the end. And Paul, Paul was beyond that by the time he was starting to write songs, you know, almost that Love Me Do. Yeah. And so this is sort of the culmination of, of, uh, of Paul's uh, evolution as a, as a singer and a songwriter. And he just, he knows how to, he knows what to say, he knows how to sing it, he knows how to play the piano with it. Um, it's crazy. I mean, when you, when you watch the, the Let It Be movie, you realize Paul's uncontainable. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get, you know, Bill's always so bossy. Yeah, I'd be so bossy. He's got 18 amazing songs in his head. And so yeah. you let him go, you know, take the reins off him. But even the little bits he's doing, oh, and he, he has Mel writing happening? lyrics for him. It's, like, it's crazy. He's, he's absolutely overflowing with, with uh, creativity. Yeah. Anyway, it's a beautiful vocal performance. Yeah, let it be so. And, it, you know, again, the context of the lyric and the emotional delivery is perfectly done. And I think that's, again, like the winding road. You know, it's that, it's that perfect marriage that makes people time and again feel something, despite how many times they've heard it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And famously, the story, uh, McCartney saying many years later, one night during uh, this tense time while they were making the White Album, I had a dream. I saw my mom who'd been dead 10 years or so. And it was so great to see her because that's a wonderful thing about dreams. You're actually reunited with the person for a second uh, and everything appears to be fine. You're physically together again. It was so wonderful for me. And she was very reassuring in the dream. She said, it'll be all right. I'm not sure if she used the words, let it be, but that was the gist of her advice. It was, don't worry too much. It will turn out okay. It was such a sweet dream. And I woke up thinking, this is really great to visit with her again. Uh, and I literally started off Mother Mary, which was her name, when I find myself in times of trouble, which I certainly found myself in. And the song came together. It was based on that dream. <laughs> hey, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Lennon. Sour on the song. Oh, wow. What a surprise. Uh, really? That's Paul. What can you say? Nothing to do with the Beatles. It could have been Wings. I don't know what he's thinking when he, when he writes Let It Be. Uh, I, was, you know, I don't. I, I think you, could, you have that, to discount a lot of what, what yeah. John said. I, I was reading that, that May Pang book and, and, you know, the salacious stuff, whatever. But the amount of times that he and Paul were together, I mean, they, Paul visited so much that they had to say, 
you know, Paul, you're visiting too much. Yeah. But for us, we thought, they hate each they other. Hate They're each never going to be yeah. together again. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, John did some cruel things. That that whole, I, I think the cruelest thing done in rock, in my mind, is how do you sleep? I think that's right. the, that's right. the cruelest, cruelest thing to do to a, an ex-partner. And that's just... That's yeah. just somebody with a, a serious insecurity that's that's lashing out, in, uh, as and and had the public ear, so he used yeah. it, you know, in a yeah. in a malicious way. Uh, a yeah. bit of trivia: uh, Linda McCartney sings backing vocals on the song. Nice. nice. Uh, the only known vocal contribution from Linda McCartney on a Beatles song that was recorded in January of 1970. The orchestral arrangement was written by George Martin. Yeah. Nice and tasteful. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Another version of the song on Let It Be Naked, uh, yeah. more paired back. Uh, and then another version on the Glenn Johns version of Let It Be, which we have Was done earlier, right? Yeah. But, uh, used, was, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah. that is that. That was the last Beatles single released until Free as a Bird mm. many years later. And then Real Love and, of course, most recently Now, now and, and Then, where they got another number one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There you go. Uh, So we've been talking about great Beatles vocal moments. Could do you have? Can we do a couple honorable mentions? Yeah, sure. And I'll ask you. Obviously, have a few that you you're thinking of. Well, it's yeah. Hey, it's uh, it's all about you because you're the guest. No, but still, uh, come on. Because to me, seems like an obvious one. But that's yeah, I guess. But it's a but it's a a group vocal instead of an individual vocal. I guess I simply interpreted this as an individual vocal. So we're gonna to have to disqualify that. Yeah, but as a, so as, a, as a group vocal, that's uh, yeah, spectacular. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and nonsense uh, Spanish, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and There's made nonsense. up made up Spanish words. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> t- twist and shout. Yeah. 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 Well, there, there's a cool story to it. So I mean, also like yeah, that was like the last song. Of the first recording with you know at Abbey Road where they and they needed another song and that was the one you know and he blew his voice out and all that and I mean you can hear that for sure there's an absolute there's an adolescent rawness in that song that you couldn't mm-hmm. you couldn't have done that ten years later you know and I think that's what makes that song really work is it, emotively it works too so I got two more okay right. yeah long tall Sally yeah I mean we well, we covered the screamer. We yeah. covered the screamer, and I Up think that by covering yeah. the screamer with the other songs, w- there's more to them. Long Tall Sally still imitative, great vocal, but imitative. Yeah, but yeah. but Helter Skelter's. Yeah, Helter I mean, Skelter's his. You know, I I was thinking, of, why don't we do it in the road? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's just not enough. But Helter Skelter does a lot. But great okay. vocal that there yeah. too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and one, this is maybe a bit of a left field one. Okay. Uh, I love the song for so many reasons, but I love the vocal performance. No reply. Yeah, yeah, no oh. reply is great. Yeah, no, no reply, reply is great. good. That's, yeah. Well, yeah. there's, you know, that's the one thing that we didn't do. We didn't do the really great duets, like the, if I fell in love with you. That's yeah. a great, that's a great vocal performance. Yeah. And uh, no reply. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many of those beautiful duets that we could have picked. I'm surprised no, none well, of us picked yesterday. We could have I mean, picked hell. Yesterday, yesterday. is not Beatle, but it's a great vocal performance. Yeah. The no reply, I love the, I think you touched on it during one of your songs, but the at the end, the, you know, no reply, and you've got Lennon down, and McCartney's at that, no reply. Yeah. He's like really high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it just it's makes the, yeah. the hair stand up in the back mm-hmm. of my neck. I could yeah. talk Beatles with you guys uh, 
all day and uh, and all night. And I thank you for your time and for uh, pleasure. Your, Always a pleasure. It's great. Uh, thank you. Final any final reflections on uh, great Beatles vocal performances before I. Well, I just like to compliment my, uh, <laughs> my partner here on four good choices. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> four good. Hey, wait! I had four five. stellar, four stellar choices, <laughs> and one psychologically deep uh, choice. We'll yeah. figure that out. You'll never, you'll never we'll buy my. Later. Never buy that from you, really. Yeah. 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 Right. It's like well, no, I don't buy. No, it. It's always fun uh, talking yeah, the, uh, Beatles. It, 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 it brings back. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a little older than both you guys, so it was, it was just this time in my life when I. When I was, I was realizing that this music was for me and my people in my age group. And of course, I lived in a household where you know adults ruled and and all their music. But this was for us. And so it just takes me into uh, the beginning of my adulthood. And it's uh, so it's an unforgettable, indelible mark on me. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank Paul. you, Paul. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I always enjoy talking to those guys. Um, you know, me aside, they have a real chemistry between them. You can tell that they're, yeah, they're bandmates for a long time. They've known one another for years, but you can tell that they're buddies. Uh, just the rapport they have back and forth between one another. So always a pleasure. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode or any of the episodes for that matter, please do consider making a donation to support the ongoing production of this little podcast. Uh, I don't have any sponsors, so I rely on your support. I'm trying to keep it commercial free. Uh, that said, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, get in touch. <laughs> any little amount helps. You can offer your support if you can afford it. Uh, when you visit the website, click on the Support the Walrus button. And any donation that you make goes directly towards offsetting my costs for the podcast. Uh, that is uh, mainly uh, having to pay to keep them up there uh, on a podcast host so you can access them and also a little bit of advertising that I do. So again, if you can afford it, would really appreciate it. Just click on the support the walrus button. Any amount does help indeed. Uh, if you're a fan of Blue Rodeo and Jim and Colin and really who isn't, you might want to check out Series 2, Episodes 11 and 12 of this podcast series when our dynamic duo dug into Abbey Road. Uh, and you can also find an interview that they did. It was actually Episode 1 of the podcast series uh, when they talked about Rubber Soul. So they are up there if you want to seek those out. You can follow the podcast on all of the usual socials on uh, X or Twitter and Instagram. I can be found at the handle Romanuk Paul if you want to interact there. Always happy to. On Facebook, just do a search for the Walrus Was Paul podcast page and give that a like or a follow. And if you'd like to get in touch directly, you can go old school and send me an email at the.romicast at gmail.com. That is the.romicast at gmail.com. Positive reviews and shares on your social channels, also a big help to draw attention to the show. Uh, this podcast is produced, researched, edited, and hosted by me, Paul Romanuk. That's it for now. I'll talk to you next time. Do you ever get tired of being...